If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. To actually become a sustainable and just world. I think it is possible. I don't think that it will ever happen. Why can I say that, but yet be trying so hard? I think that would confuse some people. And the way that I look at it is if I can improve the quality of life around me, then that is a life worth living now. Even when we may not feel so hopeful about our abilities to turn things around for a sustainable future, what can we hold on to to inspire us to keep going? How does our global industrialized food system aggravate social and environmental issues, and how can we begin to tackle this? That's just the tip of the iceberg of what you'll hear today. To receive weekly highlights from the podcast that can hopefully provide you with another dose of inspiration, you can subscribe for free at greendreamer.com. With that, to thank you for being here, you'll also automatically be entered to win our monthly giveaways. And for now, on to our episode. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast for creatives, visionaries, and entrepreneurs dreaming of a sustainable future. Thank you for bringing your light. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. Our guest today is a world-renowned adventurer and activist who just embarked on his next big project called Food Freedom, where he'll be growing and foraging 100% of his own food for an entire year, and not within a jungle or something off into the woods. He's doing this within Orlando, Florida. Some of his other past projects include cycling three times across the United States on a bamboo bike for sustainability, uh, dumpster diving in thousands of grocery store dumpsters to raise awareness about food waste and hunger, and wearing 30 days worth of trash out in public to create a visual of how much trash just one average American creates. As you can probably imagine, all of these projects have really garnered a lot of attention in the media. He's been featured in thousands of media outlets around the world, hosted shows on Discovery Channel, and is also given to TEDx Talks. I learned so much from him, and I think you'll really enjoy this conversation as well. Green Dreamer is starting off with what inspired his passion for the environment. Here's Rob Greenfield. 
Well, so that dates back to 2011, about seven years ago. And at that time, I was living a pretty normal, average American lifestyle. Um, my goal was to be a millionaire by the time I was 30 years old. Uh, you know, I was very focused on material possessions, financial wealth, uh, my ego, how I look to others. And what happened was I, I simply started to watch a lot of documentaries and read a lot of books and stumbled into realizing that most of my life, everything that I was doing, the car I was driving, the food I was eating, the products I was buying were all destroying the people that I love, the animals that I love, the, the world that I loved. And that's when I realized, okay, well, I'm 25 years old and I'm not going to be a hypocrite my whole life. So I have to change I have to change my life so that I'm living in a way that doesn't destroy everything that I love. What do you think it was initially that even led you to have more materialistic, I guess, modern day values? Well, I think that, you know, growing up in the United States, it is quite a challenge to to live and not be influenced to have these materialistic values because that is the mainstream narrative that is pushed that uh, possessions create happiness, that uh, we need to, you know, constantly be investing in our future and saving up large amounts of money and that this nuclear family idea and the nice car and the nice house is the path to success. And, you know, that's generally what's pushed through mainstream media, through movies and such. And growing up in a small town in northern Wisconsin, that was the narrative that that largely got to me. And, you know, to live an environmentally friendly life and one that goes against that, you kind of have to be able to go against the grain of society. And um, when you're young and influenceable, it's much easier to go with what is normal than to go with what is uh, necessarily right. Mm. So you mentioned that you started watching some documentaries and just learn more about this. What was it for you that sparked this curiosity to begin with? Was it just a casual thing that you did and then just led you down to learn more and more or? You know, it's, I don't remember exactly why I started to watch documentaries and read books. Um, you know, what really got me into that rabbit hole, like the tip of that rabbit hole, how I got there. I did uh, move out to California in 2011 and growing up in Wisconsin, just to give a simple example, you know, it's the dairy state. So I had milk for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And <laughs> for most Wisconsinites, there's meat at every meal uh, or, or some sort of animal product at every single meal. And to not eat meat, a common thing would be like, you know, what are you, a wussy? Or like, you know, you would just get beef for simply eating different from other people. Mm. And so it's hard in a place like Wisconsin to be different. And I'm certain that moving out to San Diego, it's not necessarily that what people were doing, it's that you were able to be yourself. I was now in a place where I could be who I wanted and no one was giving me problems for simply being myself and that allowed me to explore. So I'm, I know that that is a, a big part of it was by being just surrounded by people who just let you be and who, uh, who just celebrated diversity and different opinions rather than sort of suiting for the same monocrop of opinion of life. Mm. So knowing that a lot of 
America and even parts of the world consists of very homogenous people or people who believe in the same things or are living lives the exact same way. So there is that uh, monocropped way of thinking, like you mentioned. How do we begin to break free from this as a society? Whew, that's a <laughs> tough one. <laughs> like for you, it took you maybe moving out to San Diego to a different place. Do you think it's just about people getting out of their comfort zones and being open to seeing different ways of going about life? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways to do it. I mean, for me, having to get out of Wisconsin was what really allowed it to flourish. However, it's not that you have to go to that extreme. Like, you know, one thing that I always recommend to people is look for that community near you. So a lot of us live in places where we assume there's nothing great going on. There's like no, you know, there's no circle of environmentalists or uh, people who are really putting an effort into consciously awakening. And because we have a certain lens where we live that we've seen that area through, so we assume that it's not there. But once you start to look through a different lens, you'd be surprised that even in Kansas and Nebraska or Alabama and Georgia or anywhere, that there is actually people who care about these sorts of things. Seek that out. Find local uh, environmental clubs or chapters Simply going to, if you can find a health food store or a yoga studio, find those types of places where you'll find those people and look at life through a different lens. And then another thing, of course, that's great is if you're in a place where there is none of that, the internet at least helps you to have people that where you don't feel so alone because you're able to communicate with people online that feel a similar way. So that's an, another way to open yourself up and feel a part of a community where you feel more supported. So for you, after you kind of went down this rabbit hole, what led you to starting Rob Greenfield TV to shed light on this issue? Basically, what ha happened is that I wanted to I wanted to live a life that was in alignment with my beliefs because I didn't believe that we should destroy the world. I didn't want to be harming uh, this, you know, all the different species around the world and people in far off countries that were making my cheap crap that I was buying and such. So. Basically, that's when I said, okay, I have beliefs, and so now I have to change my actions so they actually line up with it. And so for the first couple of years, my focus was really on just changing myself so that I was becoming the change that I wanted to see in the world. And then after a couple of years, after making probably 100 changes to my life, some really little and some much larger, that's when I really started to be inspired to say, hey, mainstream media is not putting this out there. A lot of people don't get any positive messages in a day, in an mm -hmm. average day. Instead, they're just getting these messages of buy this to make you happy and, and, you know, these, and seeing violence on TV and all that. And I wanted to be able to just say, here I am doing this. This is just an option out there, hoping that, you know, I could, I could give people the option of, of learning about these things and making positive changes in life in their, if they wanted to. So to date, you've done so many different projects to raise awareness for environmental issues, including cycling across the U.S. on a bamboo bike multiple times, and more recently, wearing 30 days of trash out and about in public to raise awareness for our waste issues. Um, what is that ideation process like for you when you come up with these projects? And how do you decide what you're going to do to shed light on various issues? One thing that I always like to, to recommend to people is Focus on the things that you're passionate about 
I'm not successful at, you know, focusing on issues that, that really don't spark that excitement for me and something that I really feel deeply about. So for me, I work on things that I personally am excited about, that I want to be learning about, that I want to be immersed in. And my way of going about it is a couple of things. One, I, I've learned that people really relate to people. That's one of the ways that really reaches people today is that they connect to people more than they do to companies and other species and, and such. They really relate to people and stories. Um, and then the other thing is we're a very visual uh, species, at least at this point in, in time. Uh, we really, it's videos, it's photos that really help us understand issues. So I try to look for visual ways that I can help people understand issues. So talking about food waste, for example, you know, we waste half of all the food we produce in the United States, $165 billion worth, that's billion with a B, uh, which is more than the budget for America's national parks, public libraries, veterans, healthcare, the federal, federal prisons, the FBI, and the FDA combined. Mm. So giant numbers and just huge statistics but a lot of times it's really hard to understand these big numbers and statistics and really wrap our head around it. So that's where I came up with the food waste fiasco, for example, which is where I just collect thousands of dollars worth of perfectly good food from grocery store dumpsters, lay it out in a beautiful display and show that's how much food that I was just able to collect in a day or two. And so that's what I really try to do is pick projects that I can create a visual that help people to understand complex issues in a fairly simple manner. I feel like a lot of our social and environmental problems aren't glamorous and people don't like to hear about them because they might be depressing. And there are all these statistics that are hard to wrap our heads around. So I feel like you've been very successful in helping to garner attention for these problems. But I'd love to hear what's been one of your greatest struggles trying to get your message out there, even with this mm. in mind. You know, one thing that's really challenging is with with the message of Basically, we're trying to just make the world a better place. We're trying to create justice. We're trying to create a sustainable world that we'll actually have for generations to come where people can breathe clean air and drink fresh water and, and just have these very basic things. And yet we live in a society where it's really hard to get your message out there and be pure and lead by example. You know, just as a simple example Flying, you know, flying is one of the most destructive, it is the most destructive thing we do in any single action. And, you know, unlike eating a more plant-based diet where those options are there and you can do that, you can't really get very easily from LA to London uh, except for by flying unless you're going to take a month to get there. So that's really one of the big challenges for me is I have to be able to really look at every opportunity and say, is this really worth it? This flight that causes a lot of environmental destruction is the opportunity that I would do worth the impact. And that's kind of the way I have to look at the lens through most things is, you know, ultimately if we want to affect change, we can't run off to the woods and, and be hermits. That would be one of the most effective things we could do to decrease our environmental impact. But of course that's not going to, change the world like we are striving to so remaining in society living in society and trying to minimize hypocrisy yet still be impactful is of course a, a daily challenge that has to be look everything is gray you know there is no black and white so every situation has to be analyzed and and uh, thought about 
So you're really saying that you could just go off to live in a jungle, but that's not a message that would resonate with most people who are stuck in this modern way of living because that's not relatable, right? Yeah, I mean, we do need some people to just go off and live in the jungle, <laughs> no question. It's possible to affect change that way, but ultimately, it's really challenging. I mean, like one of the people that I respect most in the world, uh, his name is Mark Boyle. He's an Irishman. He's called the Moneyless Man. He lived. Uh, he did a project where for one year he lived without money completely in England, and it ended up being three and a half years without money. He had a massive influence on me, but he actually went as far as giving up all technology, uh, no computer, no phone, not even a refrigerator, nothing. And the only way to communicate with him now is via mail. And um, he went from reaching so many people down to now, um, you know, you, you're kind of quickly forgotten. You kind of quickly become irrelevant if you're not out there. Yeah. And that was that's kind of a perfect example. I have yeah. more respect for him than almost anyone in the world. But by following his ethics to that level, now nobody really hears from him and is not impacted by him today like before. So when you're thinking about all of your decisions so intentionally, and of course, like you said, sustainability is so gray, sometimes things aren't accessible to people, and sometimes you're forced to make choices that aren't quote unquote perfect. How do you deal with people calling you out for those very few things that you aren't doing perfectly? Because I also see a lot of top, like, leading environmentalists who are doing such amazing things for this world still being called out for, like, the little things that they do that aren't perfect. Honestly, I appreciate being called out because I, I don't use it as an opportunity to, like, cower away. But instead, I use it as an opportunity to say, here is what I am doing, here is uh, my way of dealing with this situation. Here is how I am still a hypocrite because I will tell anybody I am a hypocrite. Now, starting out, I was a level 10 hypocrite. And now I'm down to, I don't know, a level five or four <laughs> or three hypocrite. But that I am embracing because to live in society and to affect change, if you care about people, if you care about the earth, you're always going to have to have some level of hypocrisy living as a 21st century human being. So I appreciate being called out because what that does is it, it really gives me an opportunity to say, here is what I am doing. Like, for example, if someone brings up flying, well, what I do if I fly is I don't just take one speaking opportunity. Last time I went to Europe to do a TEDx talk, I did 37 talks and I wow. spent five weeks there. And I triple carbon offset the flights using um, the gold standard of carbon offsets. Not perfect, but it's something. I also volunteer five hours per flight with a nonprofit, among other things. And so it, it actually, people calling me out allows me to say, well, actually, here's what I am doing. It's not perfect. But if everybody did do that, then we would be in a totally different situation. I love that you're beautifully showing that we can be transparent and talk through the struggles that we're facing and share what we're doing to work on that at the same time. So I really appreciate that. And the other thing is, you've essentially opened your eyes to a lot of the global issues that are ingrained into our daily modern lives. So how do you go about your days seeing this everywhere around you, like you're on the outside looking in, and deal with that either loneliness or ongoing frustration? You know, one of my big goals in life is to be as minimally delusional as possible. That's really important to me is just to like 
really be living a life where I'm not just delusional to the reality of my existence and to our society and, and such. So because I focus on things like truth and transparency and uh, you know, really embracing who I am and understanding it, that actually allows me to be successful at life every day because it doesn't matter the state of the world. I can work my hardest at being non-delusional and truthful. And so because I really focus on things like that, it does allow me to have that, um, that success. Whereas if you're, if you're just looking at like how bad plastic pollution is and how, you know, how horribly we treat our animals uh, with factory farming and climate change, which are all things that, of course, are, you know, that I pay a lot of attention to and are extremely important to me. But I don't just focus purely by any means on the big problem. I very much do put a good amount of focus on just making sure that I am leading by example. So in that way, I'm able to feel successful each day because maybe the ship is sinking, but I know that I'm not the one sinking the ship. And that is something that I can feel proud of each day that I am living up to my morals and my ethics. Mm, so it's really about shifting the focus to us and what we have control over and what we're doing, as opposed to all the things that we can't necessarily dictate or control in the world. Yeah. And of course it is, um, you know, definitely being educated on those things that we don't have control over, but letting go of that control uh, is a part of it as well. I mean, you know, there's 7 billion people out there. We, each one of us is a very small individual, no, how, no matter how impactful any of us listening to this podcast are, we're each one in 7 billion and we're one species of, of between four and 20 million species out there. And this is a tiny little earth that we're <laughs> on. So the reality is, is that we're all very tiny. And I believe that none of us will ever change the world to the to a massive extent none of us will ever fix all the problems and none of us have the responsibility to fix the prob the, all the problems that were created in the world but but we all can take accountability for ourselves and do our best to have a positive impact around us that's the way that i try to focus on you know the the, the saying think globally act locally well i can't change the whole world but I can have a positive impact on my community. I can't clean up all the trash in the ocean, but I can make sure that the lake in my neighborhood is a better place to be for the species that live there and the humans that enjoy it each day. And that is, that is something that I can personally do. Yeah. So one of your upcoming projects, or by the time this airs, you'll already be in uh, taking on this project. So we'll make sure to follow you on social media to stay up to date on where you are. Uh, but it's called Food Freedom, which means for an entire year, you're going to be growing and foraging 100% of your own food. That means no grocery stores, restaurants, nibbles of cookie or sips of beer at parties, no coffee, soda, bread, pasta, uh, no chocolate. That would be a tough one for mm. me. And also no medicine from the pharmacy. And it's not like you're doing this in the jungle. You're going to be doing this in Orlando, which is a big city in Florida. What inspired you to take on this next challenge? Well, basically, I, I guess you could say what inspired me is that our industrialized, globalized food system that is, this, is, that is central to most of our problems in the world. Most of us eat three meals a day, plus snacks in between. The, the way that on a daily basis uh, we have the most impact 
on the world is typically our food choices. And, um, and I do believe that the, that our food choices are the center to most of our greatest pressing issues out there, or, or at least many of them. And so I really have a strong desire to wake people up to this system, to our globalized industrialized food system, and just at least not be delusional, you know, understand the problems and hope to inspire change. And so in my extreme way of doing things, taking on this entire year of having to grow and forage everything, you know, I have to harvest my salt from the ocean, got to make my own oil, which I'll make from coconuts and everything. And for me, it's a really great way to to catch people's attention, get them to think about all, all of our daily actions when it comes to food. And at the same time, challenge myself deeply and start to much more deeply understand food, the life, the thing that gives us life every single day and that we can't live without. I'm super excited to follow your journey. What do you foresee will be your biggest struggle? Just looking ahead. Avoiding chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) For you too. I am a chocolate, dark chocolate lover. I've been preparing for the project for about nine months and I'm feeling pretty good about being able to meet my caloric needs and my nutritional needs. The hard part is food is this is one of the central social pillars of our life. Um, it's what connects me to a lot of people. And so it's that every day I'll, I'll be tempted, whether it's at a party or walking by a restaurant or, you know, going to a friend's house every day, because I'm not going to be living out in the countryside. I'm going to be in the city. And so every day I have to avoid um, food that comes from that system. It's that's that's going to that, to be honest, I think is going to be the most challenging part. And what do you think you'll need to do to be able to maintain your social relationships while taking on this project? I think carry a backpack of food with me everywhere (laughs) I go. (laughs) So basically, any temptation, I'll have a backpack and I'll just whip it out and have, you know, prepared meals and snacks with me at all times so that I never have so that I always have something to something to munch on. And it sounds like a lot of things to do with sustainability or sustainable living just requires us to plan ahead as well, like in terms of bringing our simple reusables. Yes, absolutely. I, I agree with that completely. It really comes down to, um, you know, so many of these actions, it's not the action that's so much hard in itself. It's the making sure that you're thinking ahead, like our convenient lifestyles have been designed in a way where everything we need is disposable out there where we can just walk out with a credit card uh, and have everything we need but usually that results in a very disposable way of life Um, and so really I, I agree you know when it comes to living a more sustainable life whether it's clothing and fashion whether it's food whether it's uh you know shopping transportation it really all comes down to thinking and planning ahead and just uh going a little deeper there. And you talked about how our current global industrialized agriculture is really driving a lot of our social and environmental issues today. How do you think this is impacting our ability to sustain ourselves into the future? Well, I mean, just when you look at any of the, the numbers out there, the facts and the figures, we just know the world is a finite place. Now, it's interesting because in the past, when our population was much smaller and we were far less technologically advanced, the world actually seemed like a huge place. To travel around this world in the past meant you would probably die. You wouldn't make it. Now, all you need is a credit card. 
and you can fly around this entire world in under 48 hours. The world has become an incredibly, incredibly small place. When a tsunami happens in Japan, that trash washes up all the way across the ocean. I think it only takes about two weeks to get to California wow. uh, when the currents are right. It is a very tiny little world that we live on. Now that we know that, in the past, it was acceptable to, to not realize these things because it did seem like a big world. But now we know that actually this is a tiny place and that actually we can totally exhaust our resources. And that is what our current food system is doing. And if you look at any numbers, it, it just can't go on forever. Basic logic and rationale says we can't do that forever. And at some point, will hit a crash. And in many ways, we already are hitting that crash. We don't see it as privileged people in uh, Western countries that are able to exploit all we need. But you're already seeing that crashes in a lot of places. Mm. So do you think it's possible to have industrialized agriculture inside of a sustainable community at all? Or what does that picture look like to you? I Yeah, I don't think we'll ever reach a sustainable and just world and still have a globalized, industrialized food system. I think the two things won't ever really happen. Of, of course, you can have po sustainable pockets of the world that remove themselves from that and you know create food sovereignty within their communities. So you can have pockets of the different things. But if we're talking about a, a total a society, world society that's sustainable. And by sustainable, I mean what they're doing can be indefinitely done. It's not depleting the resources. It's leaving the same amount of resources or more. And that is not unequal in the sense that we aren't taking from one area and leaving them with not having enough so that another area does. I don't think that uh, the globalized industrialized food system and a sustainable and just world could ever be uh, happening at the same time. And given that this is already so ingrained into modern society, how do you think we can begin to shift away from this to something that we can do on a global level that can sustain ourselves? I think there's no question that we can begin to shift away. The deeper thing goes, you know, is it possible with our current society and with our current population to actually become a sustainable and just world? I think it is possible. I don't think that it will ever happen. Now, you could look at that as being, say, pessimistic or negative. I look at it as, as being realistic because when you really look at all the information out there, there's really no studies or data or, or any precedence to show that this will turn around. Now, it's not great to be the bearer of a bad news or really a bad opinion. That is, that is my opinion. But I think it's important to be realistic and be willing to discuss the things that don't sit well and aren't ideal. The thing is, why can I say that, that I just said, but yet be trying so hard? I think that would confuse some people. And the way that I look at it is life is precious. I believe that all lives matter, human or the other millions of species. And so the life that exists right now matters. If I can live in a way that makes life better for those around me and the other species around me, if I can improve the quality of life around me, whether that's through having fresher air, cleaner water, just being happier and healthier, then that is a life worth living 
now. Even if worst case scenarios pan out in the future, it's still, I feel, will have been the right thing to dedicate my life to improving the quality of life on Earth while we're here. That's almost, I feel like, a better sell to a lot of people because a lot of people just feel disconnected with issues around the world or feel disconnected from what's going to happen hundreds of years later. But if we can collectively focus on making the most of our own lives, we'll also give ourselves a better chance to work towards a more sustainable future at the same time. It does exactly that. I mean, if it does work towards a sustainable future. So when I first got started, I, I would say I felt more like we could turn things around. But the more I educated myself, the more I don't see how any road leads that way. And so I've changed the way that I do things a little bit. I do now focus more on improving what I can now. For example, one of my projects is the Community Fruit Tree Project, where we plant fruit trees uh, that are publicly accessible that anybody can eat from. So imagine you're walking down the sidewalk and then you can just reach out your arm and you can have uh, apples or pears, plums, mangoes, uh, avocados. Those trees, they improve the air quality in that community. They make free, delicious, healthy food for the people there. It's a win now. It's a win-win in every way. Plus, they are a long-term solution. We need that in the long term as well if we're working towards a st truly sustainable and just world. But what I don't do is put my time and into energy into things that will only be successful if we turn around the whole thing. Instead, I work on what's impactful now and part of the impact of the future. So typically my last question for my guests is, what do you think we need most to accelerate towards a biodiverse and thriving planet? But for you, I'd love to hear, what do you think we need most to just be able to make the most of our lives and live healthily with clean water, clean air, biodiversity, and enriched communities right now? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a lot too, but... You know, I wouldn't say it's any one environmental action or like invention or product or government or corporation or anything like that. It really is more of a different way of thinking, a different way of looking. It really is so much more foundational. But what is that? I don't know. It's, you know, I like to say nothing is black and white. Everything's gray and everything's so deeply interconnected. And when you change one thing, Something else changes over here that you never imagined. So I would say, you know, critical thinking, not short-term thinking, long-term thinking, a matter of just thinking ahead to the many generations to come and being courageous and, and acting on, on being educated uh, on issues and thinking things out. Um, yeah, that's a tough question, but uh, that's what comes to mind at the moment. Just starting to ask more questions can help us begin to move forward. Yes, lots of question asking. Yeah. So for now, what's next for you that we can look forward to and support? Well, you know, the Food Freedom Project, the year of growing and foraging all my food. That's I'll be in Orlando uh, until like late 2019. And you're welcome to come to Orlando and, and be a part of the project. I'll be teaching gardening classes and... Um, there'll be lots of ways to get involved so if you feel like meeting in real life plenty of opportunities to do that 
uh, or of course following along online on, on social media. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of the, the main focus at the moment. Super exciting. And where can we go to stay updated and follow you online and on social media? Just my name, Rob Greenfield, uh, robgreenfield.org, or you can type me into uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Those are the social media profiles that I use. As we're closing off 2018, it's time to reflect on our learning lessons from this year, while also starting to dream up all the things that we want to realize for ourselves, our loved ones, and our planet in 2019. As we're aware, there's lots of work to be done, but with more intentionality and practical planning, hopefully we'll be able to really make the most of 2019 in this time of need. And I know that both goal setting and taking consistent action can be really challenging, especially in moments of uh, self-doubt or feeling down for whatever reason, which is why our 2019 Green Dreamer Planners were made to support you and our Earth to thrive. It features research-based goal-setting and reflection guides, 101 simple holistic health tips, motivational quotes from our past guests, our major eco and wellness awareness days, and more. To learn more, you can head to greendreamer.com planners, where you'll also find all the technical details there and also see that every planner will support the planting of 50 trees. Yes, that's five zero, like literally a forest. It's not perfect by any means, but I just really hope that it'll be helpful to you if you do use physical planners and if you gift it to loved ones that it can be a way for you to support them throughout 2019. Again, greendreamer.com slash planners for more information. And for now, on to our final five. Let's power through. What's an uplifting social media account or publication you follow? Uh, well, what comes to mind at this exact moment is Bright Vibes. It's an awesome Facebook page that uh, shares a lot of very positive media and very positive things going on in the world. What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? <laughs> um, I guess it goes back to just focusing on just remembering. I can't change the whole world, but today I can brighten somebody's day mm-hmm. and just focusing on that little positive impact that I can have each day. What's one thing you do for your health, either daily or weekly? Swim. Jump in whatever body of water <laughs> I am near. I try to go swimming every single day. It's just a new awakening and just I'm just so revitalized by water, whether it's the ocean, lakes, rivers, or just going for a run in the rain, just taking those opportunities to, to immerse in water. Uh, well, we have a lot to learn from you in terms of living more sustainably, but what's one thing you're working on now? You know, one of the challenges that I have is the balance of time online. I think to live sustainably, we need to be in a good mental place. And often I spend far too much time online. And um, because of that, I often don't get enough sleep. I might not focus on exercise and eating healthy. And so that's what I'm really working on right now is is making sure to have that balance of taking plenty of time offline and uh, just really being present in the real offline world. What makes you most hopeful for our planet at the moment? There's people every day starting great companies, nonprofits, just people making positive changes, shifting their diet to be much more sustainable, creating less trash. You know, there's just a never ending stream of positive things going on out there. And so 
it's just it is really truly great to to see that and focus on all the beauty that's happening in the world. And what final words of wisdom do you have for us as green dreamers? Focus on your own health and happiness, and uh, find that happiness from within. Then spread that to the world because as people that green dreamers that are listening to this that want to have a positive impact on the world, you know, if you're dark and gray and you're just a cloud of negativity. That's what you're going to spread. So be happy. Make sure you're taking care of yourself and so that you can be a positive example that people really want to be around, want to listen to, and affect people by leading by example. Make sure to take great care of yourself first, so then you can radiate that goodness out into the world. Green Dreamer, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find the two tweetable takeaways from this interview, as well as links and resources at greendreamer.com slash 98 for episode 98. You can reach me with feedback on how I can improve the show for you through the website's contact page, and you can find me on Instagram at Kamea Shane. Finally, just remember, now more than ever, our planet needs your light to thrive. So if you haven't yet, hit subscribe, and I will catch you later, Green Dreamer.